Susie. Great, how are you? Oh my gosh, I have to tell you the most insane story. Okay. Well, I think it's insane. Episode 271, beginning with an insane story. Yes, here we go. So, I'm at this, uh, 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 prod, like, what do you call it? Stroke boot camp. It's this, uh, boot camp or, or, or They should call program. it a clinic or something. Right. It's like a clinic for individuals and their caregivers who have survived strokes. And, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story <laughs> is it was, we were, I was sent to go pick up the Starbucks and do a Starbucks run. So I go to Starbucks. I pick up the Starbucks. I put my phone down on the counter. I turn around to go grab milk or whatever, cream, put in the coffee, turn back around. And I just am not thinking. I don't see a phone there. I don't grab it. So I go back to the car and then I get in the car and it says Bluetooth, not connected. Sure, sure. So I was like, mm, that must be my phone's on the car. I'll go back to Starbucks. Go back to Starbucks. I'm like, I know I left it on the counter. It's going to be sitting right there. Wasn't there. So I'm like, God damn it. My phone's lost. But I was like, you know what? Whatever. Okay. Somebody oh like, God. I was like very accepting of the fact that like, do you my have like a lost. passcode on it? <clears throat> yes. Passcodes on okay. it. Fingerprint, the whole thing. <laughs> fingerprint. And, or, you know, that yeah, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, touch thing. And so then I go back to, uh, go back to the clinic and I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. That took me long. I had to turn around because I realized that I, somebody's like, I don't use this word very often cause I, but somebody really did steal my phone. Okay. And so one of the girls there was like, take my phone, log on to find my phone. Yeah. You know, let's find this thing. Mm-hmm. So logged on, you know, put a little thing up of like lost phone, put my phone in lost mode. Then I see that the dot is still, it's still at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, mm, I got to go back there and look. So I go back there and I look and there were a bunch of, there were ni- a bunch of really nice people who were like helping me like find it. Yeah. And Cause I, everyone knows how terrible yeah. it is. I'm like pressing play the sound and like anybody who looked at their phone, I was like, oh, do you have my phone? Do you have my-? I was like, who has my phone? Okay. And, but I didn't hear any sound. So then I take a look at the dot again and I'm like, wait a sec. It's not at Starbucks. It's like four blocks away. No. Oh, you know I went on a no hunt. No way. Yes. So I get in my car, and let me tell you, I'm nothing dying. made me feel more like, right. like a detective <laughs> or like I'm hunting. A, I might as well be hunting a serial killer because that's what it feels like <laughs> right now. And there's like theme music in the background. Right. There's like definitely stuff going on in my head where I'm like super tough and like uh-huh. this is the moment where I catch the criminal. Catching phone thieves. <laughs> Okay. So I go on this hunt. I find it's like four blocks away. So it's in this weird industrial complex where it's just like a bunch of um, like offices for some you know random prop okay. companies, but all like bi- like a business complex. But it's not at the businesses. It's in the parking lot. So no. I'm, okay. Oh my I have god! My phone Aren't out. you afraid for your life? Not for a second. Which is the weird part. Like, what's wrong with me? Where right. I freeze You're when so I get confident. attacked in Italy when somebody tries to like sexually assault me. But if I'm like hunting a thief, I'm like no problem. Right. I'm definitely going to throw down with this person. Okay. And for some reason, I think it's a she. I'm getting like weird vibes that it's a female. I don't know why. Um, at the time, at the time. And still, I feel like it was a female who stole my phone. I don't know why, but you don't know who it was. No idea. Okay. So I'm hunting this down in a parking lot and it's like, and finally I'm like, Oh, Oh, play sound, play sound. And I realized that I was playing the sound on my laptop. Not oh, my phone. That's the worst. So yeah. I finally realized which button I need to push and I'm playing the sound and I hear it. I'm like, Oh, I hear it. Where is it? And I'm following it. And I see there's like one car by itself in the parking lot. And so I'm thinking that it's like inside this sure, car. Yeah. I go up to the car, press the play sound, and it's coming from the fucking bushes. Oh my God. This person who stole my phone 
realized, and I assume that it's whoever's the car that is, because it's in the perfect spot to where if you opened the front door and you realized that somebody put the phone in lost mode and they were hunting for it, this is the perfect place to chuck it. It wasn't just thrown into the bushes. It was like hidden this under so ivy. Weird. I the can't. weirdest. If somebody told me this story, I'd be like, I don't believe it. Like it almost sounds like I'm making up some real big elaborate story for why I was like ten minutes late to, to <laughs> back to the coffee. But I'm like, right. this really. And I went back, opened my cover of my phone. Dirt, like dirt spills out because it was like buried in ivy. And <laughs> I find it. Take like. I'm just so excited that I found my phone. Take it back to, you know, and tell them the whole story. They're like, you went, they did the same thing you did. You went after that? I can't believe it. You know, but it was just, I found it in this bank of ivy on the side of a parking lot. Thank God for that find my phone thing because I found it and it was great. And it was a real fun adventure. But, okay, the thief that took it. Yes. Like... Did they think they were going to get away with this for I a think, second? I think for a, a sec they did. I thought maybe they were thinking that they could sell the phone or something like that. But as soon as I turned on, and then I wrote, you know how you can write in lost mode? You can write something. So it said, I said. What did you write? I'm dying. It's great. I, you know, I had to do something. Like, I first I said, <laughs> l- like, lost phone. I put my friend's phone number because it was sure. her phone that, sure. like, if found, please yeah. call this yeah. standard. Yeah. Then I was like, mm, I got to do something more that's like. You yeah, know, mean something. Uh-huh. So I wrote, uh, finding a phone and returning it equals good karma. Finding oh a phone and keeping God. it equals bad karma. Shut And that's up. all I wrote. You are so silly. But yeah. Wow. I just wanted them to know that I was a believer in that, and I'm going to be putting a serious bad energy towards them and their phone thief ways if they were to just keep it. So they got the message and ch- chucked it. The Into only, the ivy. The only and time the I've had to use that feature was that time at Phil Rosenthal's house where I go for movie night, uh-huh. and someone had taken my phone and accidentally put it in a different purse. Oh, right. Yeah. And then um, Adam did the whole routine you're saying, like where you put the message on and you turn on the find my phone and it's like supposed to be putting out an alert and uh-huh. all this stuff. And then it was. It ended up being at like a celebrity's house, That's but right. I had to find their house, like old time pioneer ways. Like I had to write down directions, right? Because I have a phone. Yeah, and when I was leaving, someone was like, "Doesn't your car have GPS?" At the time, my car did not have one of those thingies, yeah. and uh, I was like, "No, I'm a regular person. <laughs> like, it's amazing to me that I have an iPhone." Right, okay, right. so. Mm-hmm. But I had to, like, go find this phone. And it feels like the weirdest thing Mm -hmm. when you do not have it with you. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, great. No phone. I'm free. But my friend's like, you need to go find it. Here's my phone. Oh, my God. I did. There was a part of you that was like, eh, easy come, easy go. you know, I have this whole motto that, like, if I ever lose something or if something's misplaced, when I search for it and I get a lot of anxiety about searching for it, I never find it. But if Mm. I just relax and accept that this thing is lost, it always shows up. All the time. That's Every single time I go, you know what? Science. It's lost. It is what it is. I'm probably not going to find it. You know what? I didn't really need it anyway. And then it's like right there. Oh my God. I'm like, yeah, thanks. So I figured that would be my attitude. I'm like, you know what? I got a backup phone at home from, you know, when I upgraded. I don't really need the big one. It's fine. You know. Maybe if you had a Holly and Tanager backpack purse, then you wouldn't have this problem. Right, because then I'd be able to put the backpack on. I would have had free hands to carry the coffee. This, it's a professional backpack tote. It's designed for women like Sarah who are on the go, in the know. Mm, that's jet me. Jet setting, trend setting, ordinary, 
extraordinary women. Oh, I like that. I am that. Um, this tote converts from a backpack to a tote to a crossbody, and it's just great for women who are professional or who have to go from like a work setting to you know an evening setting or wherever you're going. It's like something for that'll hold all your stuff but still look chic. You can fit a 17-inch laptop in it, notebooks, tennis shoes that fit in the bottom compartment, wine bottle if you're that kind of person. Yep. And then you can put like your yoga mat through the bottom compartment too. It's just really, really cute. And it's made with Italian leather. It's super high quality. And basically, in addition to the professional backpack tote, Holly and Tanager offers other extraordinary everyday handbags you don't see every day. As a listener of Brain Candy Podcast, you can get 15% off your first order. Just visit hollyandtanager.com slash braincandy and use our promo code braincandy at checkout to get that discount on really cute, functional, high-quality bags. And then Sarah won't lose her phone. Right. Um, I, my friend, Eric Schwartzel, mm-hmm. who I love, he writes for the Wall Street Journal, and he wrote an article recently, and I told him, I'm like, this is brain candy material. Ooh, I love it. It's about, and it shouldn't surprise me, but I had never thought about it, the f- trend or the thing that happens at Disney parks where people spread ashes. Well, because, this is happening? Yeah, because like a lot of people, it's like their favorite spot in all the world. I had no idea. Me neither. But like now that I'm, I know it, I'm like, it oh, sense. it makes sense because there's like enthusiasts. Yep. And people do every other ritual, like ceremony, tradition, like getting engaged, Weddings, getting married, you know, all that stuff. Family reunions. They even have the memorial plaques for anybody who has passed away in the front of the park. You can buy one of those little tiles. Yep. Okay, I see this. Yes, so people smuggle in <gasps> ashes because they're not allowed. You're not allowed to do this. This is like oh, gross right. and a biohazard. Oh <laughs> but people want to do it, so they put ashes into um, like pill bottles yep. and baggies and things like that. And take them into like it's a small world or wherever's haunted mansion, super popular. Really? Yes. Oh my god, this is great. The worker at Disney said that like there's pretty much ashes all over the haunted mansion. Okay. <laughs> Can you believe? I kind of love this. I I'm kind of like okay with it too. I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. I love it. And you're gonna love like how they deal with it. Because they have, like, a fucking team of people. (laughs) Okay, so this is, like, not just a... I love learning about stuff like this. Okay, so... This is like the police and the bees. How you're like, there's no way that that could be a significant problem, like, a serious enough problem to have an entire team dedicated to this. And sure enough, there is. So, okay. First of all, I I didn't know this about ashes, but, like, you need a really special vacuum cleaner to, like, clean them up. (laughs) Because they're super fine. Because it will clog the filter, right? I, yeah. Something like that. Basically, yeah. that it's so du- it's dust, uh-huh. and so it's just you got to have your special biohazard vacuum on okay. the go. And they have, you know, how at Disney they have like code brown, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, whatever it mm-hmm, is, whatever code, for yeah, vomit or. Oh my God, I have pee. a friend who works at Disneyland. I'm going to ask her everything <laughs> about this. So they I forget some employees got in trouble because they start, started calling it code grandma. 
but that's not its actual one. I forget the actual one, but they have a special code. And when that comes through, then the team comes and they shut down the ride or whatever area it is. And they just say there's like a technical issue. Uh huh. That's probably why that, Oh, didn't you say that that, that ride gets shut down? Like we talked about yeah. that all the time, and it got shut down when you were on it. Haunted oh, Mansion. It's probably it's probably the, the old ash spreadery. Okay, wait. And so, um, okay, people smuggle them in. They sprinkle. Most of the time, they're not going to get caught because, right. frankly, if it's just a pill bottle yeah. amount, right? You just, no problem. Yeah, but um, if they do get caught, they will be ejected from the park. That's a good, funny way to go out, though. I. <laughs> Uh, you brought up the commemorative tiles mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. They banned the phrase in memory of on those bricks because what? they thought it was too death, morbid. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Why? Because I feel like that's, I don't like <laughs> how in Western culture we have, I don't like the relationship that Western culture has with death. Oh, okay. So it's that thing where we, in the book, um, Confessions yes. of a Funeral Director, he we says we should have a death, a positive yes. rather than death negative. Correct. Viewpoint. I think we have a death negative viewpoint. I like a death positive one. That is a fact of life. I think the fear would be less if we... I know. And in memory of is nice. It's, it's not wonderful. like too bad you died or something. Right. <laughs> and like, what if it... what? A, what if I wanted to say, like, in memory of that amazing time I had at Disneyland when I got posed to? <laughs> right, right. And I wonder, because it didn't say, but I wonder if you could say in honor of. Is that fine? <sighs> See, those things are... She's had it. Annoying to me. She's angry. I'm like, um, is this is Linda. The one, <laughs> the one thing in the article that was especially funny to me... <laughs> Is how sometimes they have false alarms where they think there's been ashes mm-hmm. dumped and then it'll just be like um, funnel cake powder. <laughs> <laughs> and like they rich. get all their vacuum ready and then oh, they're just like, oh, it's fine. It's just powdered sugar. <gasps> have you ever oh. like seen or touched ashes? Oh. I've never seen them in real life. Mm, you know, I, yes, but only in the baggie. Because we cremated our dog. Oh. I wonder if they look different than and people ones. My mom had the my mom I can't had her believe you did that. and her oh and her dogs in like the same drawer. In her underwear drawer, which is kinda weird. I have several questions. Yeah. First of all, oh my god. Why did you guys is this customary to have your dog cremated? I think so. I think it is something that people do. I mean it is less of a I don't know. I mean I'm not I don't know. Hmm, I'm not big on that. I, I wanted them care. to do the thing where, like, I never have to, to talk. Like, you deal with it, bury it away, yeah. throw it in the dump. I don't care. I'm like, I, no, I mean about the dogs. Oh, the dogs. Oh, do they give those to science too? Probably not. No. Um, like, I don't want to have to deal with ashes or no. burying the damn thing. Me either. It's just like I'm hoarding my dead pets. You should ask your mom about that. Then the second question would be why she felt like keeping the dog and the dad together. Yeah. I'm, and also, and maybe like most Organizing, you're supposed to like collect all the things and put them in a similar bin of similar items. Like all the pens go over here, all the scissors <laughs> the go Marie over here. Kondo. All of the ashes of past loved ones go in the, over here. The magic of tidying mm-hmm. up dead bodies. Yeah. And then why they were in her intimates drawer. 
I think that's just no. I don't have an answer for that. No, there's that, zero. And what was the container they were in? I think it was just like a little. I feel like for a while the dog one was just in the standard box that they gave us from. It wasn't anything the fancy. Vet. Yeah, it wasn't anything special. Like a, we probably don't have them now. She probably got rid of those. I have no idea. Where would she put them? I don't know. I mean, that's like, the real problem because then oh you're God, stuck you with do? it. Yeah. Unless you bury it or she's something. She's like traveling all over. I don't know if she's like taking these guys These with are her. questions you could cover maybe next time you speak. <laughs> she's been very active on my Instagram lately. Oh, have really? you noticed? Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah. Lots of stuff. Funny. Lots of thoughts on mm. parenting and... Yeah, Sally speaks up. My mom's not on Instagram, so it's like she's oh, my there surrogate. You yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I also... Quite similar message. <laughs> if you were... I know you're not going to be cremated, but like if you were, mm-hmm. where would you want to be spread out? Oh, well, Just pro- so I'd I know. go... I, oh, I'd go mountains and ocean. Give me 50-50. Mountain? Any of them? Just any? Like Yosemite. I would love to be... my. Yosemite or maybe where like the camp that I went to in Big Bear. Yeah. I would like to be there at their little um That's nice. Even I think a running body of water though. A stream, waterfall, don't take any selfies, but dump mm. my ashes out. Well, my aunt was cremated and we did uh let it out over the ocean in an airplane and we were all on the beach and watched it. That's nice. Yeah. That way you don't get any in your hair or anything like that. Yeah. Stay far away. Very far away. That's a good ritual. It. And it was nice. And like my, my aunt took a picture. My other aunt took a picture of the plane as they did it. And it was like nice and blah, blah, blah. Another good ritual are the vitamins I take every night at bedtime. Keep you alive for longer. <laughs> Maybe you don't need to be cremated as soon. <laughs> Keep you alive longer. Because get this, 95% of women don't get the vitamins and minerals they need on a daily basis. What in the world are we doing well, at any rate, they will help you out because they have omega-3, vitamin D, all that good stuff. And then it's with mint essential oil, which makes them taste yummy, not gross like those fishy ones that mm, I don't yeah. want to talk about. Yeah. And they're time-released, so you don't get sick from them, which is, for me, the reason that I will take them. Because I am very sensitive to vitamins. And it's not worth it to me unless I'm not getting sick, you know? You don't want to have that fishy taste in your mouth. No, I don't want that, and I don't want to feel nauseous. And that's why I love them. It's a subscription-based service, so they just come right to your door when you need them. And if you need to snooze it or you need you know, to take a break from it or whatever, you can do that very easily. Happiness guaranteed. Cancel easily anytime. And here's how you get the deal. Go to ritual.com slash brain candy. You're going to choose clean ingredients backed by science if you sign up now at ritual.com slash brain candy because you need your vitamins, but you don't want to be dealing with those gross ones. Right. Um, so yeah. remember on a previous episode when I talked about the, uh, I think it was last episode, when I talked about the 40 slang terms that oh, yes, people shouldn't yes, say? Oh, yes, 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 yes. We have to talk about this. Yeah, I'm all ears. Okay. 40 slang terms. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Should take notes? Yeah. We won't go through all 40, but some of them we do need to highlight. Um... Have you heard the term high key? It's like the opposite of low key. Oh, no. Me neither. No, 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 no. Yeah. High key? Yeah. Like, what would that be? It says the, that it's like when something was low key, but now too many people know about it and it's not a secret anymore, then it's high key. Okay. Yeah. Uh, turnt, T-U-R-N-T. Yeah. Would you ever use that? Never. Me neither. Why no, would anyone use it? No way in all holy heck. So these are 40 terms... 
People over 40 should not Definitely use. not say. Okay. Yeah. And the question is, if people over 40 even know what the heck they are. Right. And if you do know these, I'm like questioning who you're hanging out with on the weekend. True. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about shade? Yeah, I do know. I, mean, that. I don't I, use it. But I, I probably I, have. I think I have too, but that one's on there. I the, am not over 40 though, so it's okay. Right, there you go. Me neither. Yeah. Uh, the struggle is real. Okay. I use that. Yep. I do too. Uh, some of these were so funny. This is a great one. Jomo. Do you know about that? I don't know that one. It's an acronym for the joy of missing out. You know how they have FOMO, fear of missing out? This is like the opposite. And I'm like, are you kidding me? The people who want that the most are people over 40 or getting that close to that. That should only be used by over 40. Right. That's what I said. And then, But the, the article said, but when you're over 40, nobody is buying the JOMO excuse anymore. Say what you really mean. You're not staying home because of JOMO. You're doing it because you couldn't find a babysitter. Which <laughs> <laughs> I thought That's was really true. funny. Um, Bay. Okay. That's something we shouldn't say you anymore. You seem like someone who would use that a lot. Bay. I don't. Oh, really? Um, You for sure have. I, I definitely have. Or like boo. I, I use bet. boo. <laughs> He's my boo. Is that she's my boo. Hey, boo thing. I always say that. Boo thing. Yeah. With an A. Let's we be should real. add that to you. Uh, JK. Mm. J- mm-hmm. I will not say that now. What about in texts? Is that allowed? I think you're allowed. You just can't say it in real life. No, I don't say it in real life. Woke. Uh-huh. I uh-huh. say that. Uh-huh. How about this one? I can't even. Uh-huh. Do you say that? I have. I have too. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is one I was like, are you kidding me? I had to screenshot it. I was so like, P. Just the letter P. What's that? It says, it's short for pretty, as in I'm P excited oh, yeah, to go yeah, out yeah, tonight. yeah, 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 yeah. What? I've seen that in text. I'm insta- annoyed. On Twitter. Are we just going to reduce everything to a single letter? That's not, no, 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 no. It's hard to think, that, for me to not think they're talking about I the think bathroom. a lot of those came to be more popular whenever Twitter had such a limited. Oh, I didn't um, even think about that. Character limit. Yeah, this is one where, I'm like, I have no idea what this is. Uh, boots, adding the word boots at the end of things. What's like, that mean? I'm so tired, Boots. It's like an emphasis to a verb or an adjective that I say guess. Say it. Wait. Say it like. A, I'm so tired. Boots. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's I keep how it's feeling. Says. Like I'm hearing you right. wrong. And it says, "Get it? No, of course you don't. And that's okay. You don't need to watch a bunch of tor- so Todd like, Recall videos to match this word usage. So I think Todd Recall is either a rapper or a musician or performer or something like that. And maybe he said it a lot. Like I don't know it, what that it's means. It's like to say really, but at the end. But at the end. I'm tired like, of boots. I'm hungry boots. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm kind of liking it. It's <laughs> so weird. Right. I am start thirsty boots. When, when we're 40, we'll start using Is it kind of like to boot? You know, like... Oh, okay. Maybe? No. It's, I'm just trying to... You're trying to make sense out of madness. Uh, right. Uh, Pragers. Uh-huh. I, I agree. That. I hate Pragers. Yeah, but we've definitely said it. Yeah, because it's hilarious. But I do hate it. Sus? Like something suspect? Oh my God, who's saying That's that? What I'm saying. Maybe whoever it's is, we're white. Whoever is, is real extra, which is also on this no, list. No, I'm not into that. Mm-hmm. I'm not into, oh, Perf. there was one that you always say that I hate. Oh gosh, what is it? I can't wait. Yeah, say it. What is it? What do I say? If it comes to me, I'll tell you. It, it might come like, up on this list. Nope. I don't um, like it. I also don't like, per- this perf? is not. Do I say perf? Fresh? <laughs> Fine with those. Regs? Oh, you do say that, but it doesn't bother me. Okay, good. I like all those. I don't like when I send a text. You don't do this, but when people like heart it or like thumbs up it. Oh, now that's my new favorite thing to do. Yeah, I hate it. Don't do it to mine. 
it's just a way for me to acknowledge that I did see this, but I don't have anything clever or witty to reply. I know what it is. Right, but why don't you like it? Because this is not fucking Instagram. But yeah, but don't you want some, like, like uh, uh, validation for your hilarious thing that you just said? But, like, yeah. do you want me to just say, ha-ha? Sure I do. Because it's a conversation we're having. Okay. I see. But then, okay. I would never end a conversation with, like, a thumbs up in real life. Right. Oh, yeah, I don't and like it. And by the way, I'm fine with the emoji. Like- I just don't like the when you push that button and yeah. then you pick a oh thing. God, it's so weird. I kind of do. Oh, my God. Especially if I'm in a group text. If I'm in a group text and somebody said something funny, but now 40 people have said something, I have to go back and I don't want to be like, oh. Why are you in group texts? Because I work in group projects for school all the time. Oh. I have doing like projects in the community that involve multiple people. Mostly if I were in that many... Related. Group text, I would end up in your stroke clinic because I would be, I would have a problem, like a medical emergency that would require attention. Yeah. Uh Uh-uh. Do not put me on a group text. Well, yeah. You're not the kind I would even invite into this. (laughs) Invite. I even have one going with my sister and brother and um, I have it muted so that like I'll see what they say, but I don't want to be notified. Yeah, I went. I picked my picked my phone up once, like the other day, because it's there's probably like ten of us. Everybody who did this stroke boot camp, we were all in one together. Mm. And I picked up, and there were like twenty eight messages, and I'm like, oh god, I gotta, you know, it makes me. That me is so. Rid- and then I I don't have this, but a lot of people in work environments use Slack. Yeah. Ugh. And it's HIPAA compliant, so it's actually real good. Well, that's nice, but it makes you so you're working all the that time. That is absolutely true, and I that's how I feel on these. We are. Ne- I'm never not. I'm never not working. Yeah, well, I am not okay with that. Yeah, I agree, and that's not, but right now, unfortunately, I kind of have to. Yeah, you do what you got to do. I got to let them know that I need them to open the side door because my key card doesn't work here, and I got to send that text message to 10 of them because who knows who will be with their clients and who will be free in the lobby, and I might just be sitting out by that door forever if I don't. Okay, I get that, but like. And how are we supposed to coordinate our group costumes, (laughs) which we definitely did. I just feel like I don't want people to think – basically, my policy is if I am on call, uh-huh. if that's what I am, mm-hmm. you must pay me what you would pay a doctor. Oh, gosh. Yeah. If I'm not being paid like that, mm-hmm. I am not available yeah. to you that's good. except business that is hours. healthy boundaries. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. And what are the rest of these stupid terms? Oh, let's see. One of some of the other ones. We're so oh, old. goat? Yeah, I don't like, like I don't either. Especially because the most the yeah. people that I know that use the term are referring to themselves, and they can go fuck. They can themselves. definitely. How about goals? Mm, no, I'm not into it. Me neither. Not anymore. Sorry, not Wait, sorry. Ever since you saw this, no, like I it just oh, after you have time. Right. I'm like, mm, I don't like that. Okay, word anymore. Okay, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, no, I still use that. Uh, fat. Oh my god, nobody. P-H-A-T? Yes, nobody better use that. We're done with that. Mm-mm. Lit. No. <laughs> all the feels, I say that all the time. I read, remember how we talked about how there was drag queen lingo? Yeah. And how people were like, that's cultural appropriation. Yeah. Some people said that, that was from, I guess, that community. Mm. Or maybe... I think a lot of that slang. A subculture of some yeah. kind. I yeah. forget if it was drag queens or not, but it yeah. was like... Well, everything's mm-hmm. got to originate somewhere. Well, that's true. And like, all the feels. 
I don't know. Did they I mean, say things usually don't originate? Like cool slang terms are not originating <laughs> at my country club, right? At like Tupperware parties. Come on, <laughs> it's definitely going to be in the way cooler groups, which aren't white people. Ours. Sorry. Yeah. What is a cool group though are the people that are getting FabFitFun. And I'm happy to report that the FabFitFun winter box is finally here. If you're having trouble like thinking of something to get for people for the holidays, this is such a great gift. Last year I got this for my sister and then she got it all year round. So it wasn't just like a one-time thing. She got four boxes throughout the year and every time she would text me and was so excited. And the winter box has... Um, the Ahava Hydration Cream Mask. I love that brand. I use their um, hand lotion every night at bedtime. They have an eye brightener um, in Champagne Shimmer, which is my favorite color for makeup, by the way. Um, and then some have uh, necklaces and socks and really cozy stuff. It's all full-size fashion, beauty, home, fitness, wellness products for just $49.99 a box. And there's no samples or anything, and the retail value is around 300 bucks, which is amazing value. And you're, whoever you're buying this for is going to be like super excited, even if it's you. Um, sign up for FabFitFun today. FabFitFun boxes make amazing gifts for the holidays. Use our code BRAINCAN and you get 10 bucks off your first box. Go to FabFitFun.com to sign up and start getting the box for a life well-lived. Use promo code BRAINCANDY to get $10 off your first box. That's over $200 for $39.99. Go to FabFitFun.com and use our code BRAINCANDY. Get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. Make somebody's holiday really special. Super cool. So you know what got me started on the whole uh, uh, words that what? old people what? say? Elon Musk's tweet that he put out asking for the dankest memes. <gasps> He did. Yes, he did. He is hot garbage. Hot that guy. garbage, and he's friggin' forty-seven years old, and asked. And so people were Dankest sending him. <laughs> people were sending him memes of like him doing really young kid things, like like photoshopped over. There's some movie that has. Um, oh my gosh, some old guy who's real funny, like pretending to be a high school kid, like one of those, you know, like can't hardly mm-hmm. wait kind of things. Yeah, where he's like, yo, kids. Where can I score some doobies or whatever? <laughs> something that you would say. Right, right. But like knowing but it's like Elon it's a Musk's joke. face. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that guy cannot get it right. No. I swear to you. I mean, come on, dankest memes. What, you, what is dankest? Like, like coolest? Yeah. Like, like and like, what's he going to do with them? And dank is like not. Dank is, man, that's annoying. I'm annoyed. When is that from? That, for, that I term? feel like it's a drug term. Like dank oh, weed. Oh my. Like, I think it's. What I does think it mean? Good weed? Yeah. Okay. Like strong, strong That's some weed. dank weed. Oh my god! But I don't know where dank came Have from. Have you ever said it? Absolutely not. Because <laughs> honestly, I don't want that kind of stuff. <laughs> I am not in need, in need of. Wonder what the opposite of dank is. Oh, like there has call, to be an urban yeah, equivalent. Yeah, like what you call like real. I know what they call. It. What do they call it? They call it. Oh my gosh, like shake, but that's not something different. Shake? What do they call it? It's like. For some, I don't know, for like crappy weed. Like, I don't know. I don't know the name. Crappy weed yeah, what, has a what name. What do you call it? I don't know. Tweet at me. <laughs> They'll let you know. Mm-hmm. They'll make some dank memes. Oh, and you know what? I, I was listening to our episode, <laughs> and I know that that movie on, uh, uh, or those 
films or whatever you call them on YouTube that you were trying to think of the name of that have like the conspiracy things. Yes. Zeitgeist. Yes. And you were like, oh, it starts with a Q. And then I was listening to it. I was like, oh, she was close. It's a weird letter, but it's a Z. Yeah. And then it came to me. And there you go. Yes. And I was like the one who screams at the radio, like to my own show. I was like, it's a Zeitgeist. It's Zeitgeist. Have you ever watched? Yes. It? Okay. Because your family gets into that yep. crap. And like, do you buy into it? Not, I mean, certain things. Like, I think there were some interesting concepts about, um, religion in there and like sun and how the sun in how we speak about how the Egyptian religion lines up with the, um, a lot of like Christian beliefs Mm -hmm. and how like the sun, you know. Yeah. But why is that a big deal if that were true? Like what's the conspiracy? I think they're just trying to break down like this whole like Western, like in God, everything's based on like this one theological like yeah so they're saying like you don't have a monopoly yeah and also you weren't the first one to think about this idea like this is not an original idea Mm -hmm. like this is exactly the same thing that they were saying to explain natural phenomenons like why we celebrate christmas at that time of the year where the the sun like disappears in certain time zones like for three days and then comes back again because it's like that time where it's in the uh the orbit of the earth, whatever it is. Yeah. But it like is explained through freaking science and it right. matches up with the yeah. biblical stories. So I like that stuff Those because I believe that fine. anyway. Those it's are like, fine. I, it's what I've been saying. It's the same thing in different languages. Yeah. I just don't like the ones where it's like, yeah, they're yeah. lizard people or whatever. <laughs> like it's just yeah. not, yeah. come on. Right. But that's what they say is if you buy into one, you buy into all of them, you know, like that conspiracy theory thing. Yeah, but do you ever still talk to people who use the line like uh, jet fuel can't melt steel beams? You know that line? It's now like a joke. It's a punchline because people that are 9-11 conspiracy Uh theorists always say that, like that the fuel, Uh. the fire that was started couldn't melt those beams. That's the conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. and that there were actually explosives in the building and things like this. Yeah, but the plane definitely went to that building. So sure did. Can just, people died. So. I bet you there's people that think there wasn't. God, it's crazy. Them and the Holocaust people can. I got some. What is it like? Front row real estate or oceanside real estate <laughs> right. in, in Nevada to sell. Right. It gets exhausting though. So then I have to put it out of my mind yeah. because every day there's like a new thing that's that somebody in politics is right. saying is like not true. Yeah. And you know, I guess right. was it Stephen Colbert or somebody that's coined the term post-truth uh-huh and then that became like the word of the year or whatever yeah um but that stuff exhausts me but yes zeitgeist thank Mm -hmm, you sarah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um changing the subject let me see what i want to talk to you about how about how oh there was a cool um article in the new york times this is not that big of a deal but it just i thought our listeners would appreciate it it was in praise of mediocrity and the essence of the article was about how so many Americans don't have hobbies anymore. Mm. And there's this sense of like, nobody wants to do anything just like, okay. I'm really pushing this for this to accept the things that you good enough is good enough. Yeah. Yeah. We have way too much pressure. Do you feel like you have hobbies? Yeah. A bunch. Okay. Yeah. So do I. I feel like that. Gardening. Even just like crafting, crafting anything around my house. A lot of people, apparently, if you ask them in the U.S., 
can't think of any besides like, you know, watching TV or something. Yeah, that's not a hobby. Yeah. That's a pastime. Yes. But like, it's not active. Mm-hmm. And so would you say reading is though? Cause I think yeah. reading is. I think it is too. Okay. Um, but- I think it's an enjoying activity that reduce, like that has more positive, uh, you know, like does more positive things than negative things too. And they were saying like, let's say it's cooking. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be great at it nope, for it to be all. a hobby. I would say be great at anything you're, you have a hobby at. Right. And that's like, I play banjo. I'm not good at it, mm-hmm. but it's a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, a lot of people, most people claim they don't have time for crap, but that's all baloney. It is. I can't, I'm like, okay, well, let's think about where we can find time. You can have time for anything if you make time for things. I was saying that a lot about why I couldn't meditate, mm. and then I made that a priority, and all it took me was 10 minutes of not, you know, going on my phone or watching a TV show or 10 minutes. That's nothing. Well, you that's why minutes. the Nike slogan is genius, because just do it. Just do it. It really does come down to that it, for, like, yeah. everything, yeah. where you're like, you can make excuses if you want, mm-hmm. and that's fine. We all do yeah. it. But Or you could just do it. Right. You gotta um, look at what purpose does it's like what's the there's always a purpose to why you're not changing. Right. You it know? could be fear. Yeah. And in this article is saying some people really fear yeah. being mediocre. Yes, they do. Because it's not accepted. Or failing. It's not accepted in our culture. Why though? It's an, we are in an individualistic culture that has a very hard time connecting to um it's like we've got to be better than the person next to us. And so everybody thinks they're better than the person next to them because what it would mean if they weren't would mean like, I don't know, everything kind of starts crumbling down. Like we're just, it's put in our heads from day we're born that like you need to achieve, you need to be the best, you need to win the trophy, you need to do all this. And the people who are the supportive players are not recognized or not, they don't get the, I don't know. It's not, they're not put on the pedestal in the same way, even though they're very important, you know? And I think it creates a lot of feelings of depression and anxiety and all this bad yeah. stuff. And I had just... to change uh, an approach with my kid because mm-hmm. he got a, like a chart at the end of each day and there were nine opportunities for him to do good or poorly. And um, in order for him to go to the class carnival, he had to get all nine positive. And he did it, mm-hmm. but... Um, he had scratched up his whole arm. He had internalized it. And like... Because he was worried. He was so anxious and wanted so badly to get all nine and knew that if he got eight, it wouldn't be good enough. Oh, no. Poor thing. This is deep. What did you do? Well, I didn't know that. I just... He brought it home and I thought it was a celebration and like, awesome, you did it. I knew you could do it. It was positive. But then later I found out (laughs) how he had accomplished that was not healthy. How did you find that out? What was... Through Teresa. Yeah. When she picked him up from school, he was upset and she was like, what's the matter? And he goes, I got nine happy faces. And she's like, but that's good. And he goes, yeah, but I, and he was like scratching his arm and she looked at it. It was all raw oh, and, um, baby, it was too much. So then we had to change it and be like, you know, just do, do your best and, yeah. you know, just cause it really does come down to like doing your best, but he wasn't previously doing his best. Right. So that's why it became like, you got to get nine, yeah. but now I know. You know, it's huh. not like a perfect science. Right. It's and like I think it's good error. with that to kind of, you know, that's where setting realistic goals is important. And also maybe letting the 
child set their own goals that they feel like maybe saying like, well, how many stars do you think would be? But he kept talking about it. He kept saying, what if I get eight? What if I get seven? Oh, yeah. And I was like, I don't like your attitude. Like, I, I don't like, like how you're less. already negotiating with me. <laughs> so that's why if you let him set the bar first, mm-hmm. like saying, you know, I'm just throwing out ideas. What the fuck do I know? I don't have a kid. But say like, what do you think would be yeah. the number of stars that you think would get whatever? Right. Well, I think it would be five. I bet he would. And then if he got those five, do you think he can get six next week? Right. We've adjusted the rubric, so we're okay now. But that was the learning process. And wow, you know, you never, there's always like those kind of unintended consequences when you feel like you're doing the right thing. And in every other universe, that is absolutely the right thing. And like any teacher would go, yes, do that. It's so great. Mm -hmm. And then we never know how these things get you know, yeah. internalized by the kid. Right. It's so wonderful that you had a nanny and an environment in your home where there was somebody who recognized awareness that, awareness, it, yeah. talking about the feeling. That's so wonderful, Suze. I know. I'm just glad it got nipped in the bud because yeah. that was like, yeah. oh, great. Now I got nine stars, but now it's a problem. Oh, poor thing. Another problem I have is uh, problem skin. Not a problem anymore. <laughs> Not a problem anymore because I use BioClarity, which if you've listened to this show at all, you already know this, but it's worth repeating. A lot of people have troublesome skin, but everybody needs to wash their face. Yep. So now you can get either the Essentials Routine, which is a three-step program for normal skin, or what I use, the Clear Skin Routine, which cleans you up, makes you have uh, smooth skin, and minimizes all those trouble areas and you can get the clarifying mask or the hydrating mask which is the glow getter um it's delivered straight to you and it's easy to use it's a three-step skincare routine and it works for me and it's affordable unlike a lot of those other three-step routines that i've tried over the years that were more abrasive and less effective Get started on healthier habits with your skincare. Just go to bioclarity.com and our listeners get the first month 50% off. Any routine plus shipping is free and it comes with a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee, but you need to use our code BRAINCANDY. That's bioclarity.com and enter code BRAINCANDY. And, you know, hopefully Lincoln won't keep picking his skin. It clearly runs in the family that like picking is Uh our... Oh, that's a thing. Yeah, because I used to... Oh, that makes sense. You know, if I have a blemish, it's getting picked. Yeah. Problem. I picked up a lot of my the habits that my aunt did and my mom did. It's weird. Do you think that that's um, learned through watching? Yeah. Oh, really? I do. Well, certain ones. I think the the skin picking kind of fits into the category of OCD in some ways. Mm -hmm. So, and it, it depends. There's, of course, there are a lot of you know, little differences, like what kind it is, things like that, whether you're aware of it or not aware of things like that. But I think overall it might just be something learned from watching. Right. Because I would watch my mom, my aunt, if they drive, when they were driving, and that's when I would see them. Picking. Yeah. It was my like mom My mom too. scratched the side of her ear in yeah. a certain way, and I totally do it in the same way. And my mom saw me do it in the car, and she goes, oh, do you have psoriasis too? <laughs> and I was like... No, that's so weird. You were doing it because there was actually something there. I just picked up rubbing that spot because I saw you do it. Oh. Isn't that weird? Yes, it is. Because I thought maybe it was nature, like you were born with a uh-uh. tendency to pick. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe it's, it's a combo. Yeah, I think it is a combo. But now I do have psoriasis, so she was kind of... <laughs> but that's <laughs> oh only because God. of stress from grad school. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I Look noticed my hair is falling apart, falling out. 
fuck. We're I'm falling stressed. apart. We're such I losers. Am. I know. What are we going to do? Well, I need to, I'm just trying to be more mindful and do things to reduce my okay. stress well, and, and that kind of stuff. And oh, like, wouldn't it be great when I graduate? Ah, I need to get out of there. Ah. <laughs> I'm so stressful. <laughs> Her was like, you have no idea there. how bad it's going to be. And I'm like, I'm fine. It's like an escape room. And then I was like, ah, <laughs> this is so hard. Why am I breaking out in patches? Why do I just burst into tears as soon as I like, it's so stressful. Grad school. Right. Life is. Life is so stressful. Yeah. I and then I think like, about oh. the women who do it with children, and I'm like, you guys are saints. How are you even holding it together? Yeah, don't remind me. Yeah, That was you. a real fun time. Right. Oh, my God. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Um, Bow down to you, What please. about this? How about how there's this thing, and I know it's November now, but it, there's this thing that some people practice called Locktober, where they basically buy this gadget, they lock up their penis. Stop it. Okay, what Stop is with it. men doing weird-ass shit in October? The, or that time, Movember. They're growing out their freaking mustache. I hate that. And then I... I know it's this for a good cause. Right, I know, right, I know, right. I know. But I just hate the mustache. Uh, yeah. And then I also heard of, like, Sober October. Yeah. But that seems... I think it's because there was a male celebrity or somebody who, like, kind of pushed this. You know, which I'm Joe all Rogan for. Joe Rogan does I it. am all for a... A month of sobriety and clean living. I think it's fabulous, but it definitely feels like it's more, more aimed at men. Totally. It's, you know? be, it's like a competition. Yeah. Oh, they have to make it like that. That's what's happening. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Joe Rogan does it. Bert Kreischer does it. Tom Segura. They all do. And same with my husband did Fit for 40. And it what was the like, fuck is that? Like, I'm going to get in the best shape I've ever been in before I turn 40 years old. Okay, how'd that go? Told, amazing, and he really is. And it's not like he's like made lifestyle changes that it was like, hey, I'm starting this next chapter of my life now. I need to like be eating, not like a frat boy, and I need to be working out on a more consistent basis and whatever. He's like in the best shape of his whole life. He's like more fit than he was at our wedding. Okay, so it's about like it was like a goal. Yeah, but it's all his male friends who have this this phrase that they use, oh, fit for 40. Because they're all the same age. Yeah, I've oh, never Jesus heard any of the women Christ. use that. Never, yeah. not once. Because we're like, dude, we're trying to be fit all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that is. It's like the it's expectation. Our right. That we're just supposed to be like that. And they have to like make it a competition. You're so right. This well, is so maybe you can tell him about Locktober. Yeah. He missed his chance on that. But hey. I do not want him to lock up his penis, please. <laughs> it's weird though. I, could, I read this article and I was like oh. still unclear what it was because the gadget mm-hmm. that they're using, it like... Oh man, it's it looks like a metal mm-hmm, gauge, mm-hmm. and so you can pee out of it and everything mm-hmm. stays on. It's like a what do you call it? It's like chastity belt kind of situation. Yeah. For, but, you know, I see that I can I can understand this, and here's why: I see if you, it's really just in the same way, like be, having a month of sobriety and from abstaining from drinking. You know, say there you. Oh, you know, maybe you're drinking a little heavier than you'd like to be. And you're like, you know what? I need like a clean month. Yeah. So I look at men who may be addicted to porn or maybe, you know, feeling like they need to do like an all or nothing, like reset button to kind of like reset the system. Here's why I'm that... Fine. I'm fine with it. it. That's not what it is though, because it's in this article, at least it said that they sit there all month. <laughs> trying to come up with ways to to ejaculate like they'll do anything they'll like put stuff up their butt what so what's the what's that's the what i'm saying i do not that get defeats it the perp like 
it feels like you're trying to live a more like this is you're doing something so that you okay now i don't like it like, what the hell if that were the intention where it's like this is a way to put a check on my yes that's what i thought it was use or whatever that's what i thought it was but in the article at least it was like these guys will like try to like get um lotion in the device and try to like touch through these are clearly people who have sex addictions i guess and then they'll There's sometimes no- affect they will have an orgasm but though it won't be satisfying because it's like obviously right. weird and just mechanical. this is really awful i don't like any of this this is <laughs> now i changed my mind this is a <laughs> different purpose this is people this falls i think this is more fetishy yeah it's they almost they called it chastity play it is so it's kink yeah and it's like the kinky version of lent that's what it said. Yeah, and to and it almost sounds like you're selling something as like a, oh, I'm abstaining, but really hiding your own. It's like the abstaining from it that's get getting you off. Yeah, it's, I don't. That's messy. Yeah, you're right because they were saying it's like the economy of restriction. Okay, mm-hmm. but like, I just I don't. Like don't okay, I don't like we're it. we're saying thumbs down on that one. Yeah, hold on. This, this just, just in. in. Uh, I'm not. October sucks. In October. Not it's, really what you're saying is for. So funny. This just in. Don't I, lock up your dicks. I did. I did not anticipate your reaction. I know. I couldn't even. Because usually you get really excited about stuff I like couldn't it. even come up with a single thing that like. A headline. <sighs> Pun, 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 pun. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Man. Yeah. I kind of, you know, okay. What? The end of this story, you maybe will see the connection, but not mm-hmm. really. It's far a stretch. But uh, you want to know what the Q and Q-tip stands for? Ooh. Yeah, hold on. Let me, can I, I get, is it I, guessable? Totally. And then I went, did a deep dive into the history of the Q-tip. So. This is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Q-tip. Is it a brand? It's it, well, the Q-tip is a brand. Yeah. Yes, but the they, word they would be cotton swabs. Is derivative of but Q something. stands for something. They came out quaint. In quaint. No <laughs> quality. <gasps> oh yeah, I remember this now. Yeah. And then so, dumb. so I went on like a quest of like, what does this mean? Like, where did it come from? I love it. So love this it. man named Leo Gerstein Zang. In 1923, love the Jews, right? Was watching his wife use a cotton ball, a toothpick wrapped with a cotton ball. That is not safe. I know it because yours truly ruptured an ear, punctured her eardrum at age 13 while I was on vacation in Italy, doing the exact same thing. I remember. That's the opposite of quality. Awful. Yeah. Well, that's probably why they came out with quality. Exactly. Q-tip and toothpick are not quality. And he was like, I got it. But this is the most hilarious part, which is why I was trying to tie it into the penis story. But it's a loose correlation. Okay. The original name for for Q-tips? Baby gaze. No. Yes. Why? I have no... That's where your deep dive ended? Didn't explain it. It was like right before I got in the car to come here and I was just like scrolling through something and said, would you like to know where... It was on MSN. And it was like the Q and Q-tip. Baby gays. G-A-Y-S was... uh, Okay. So there must have been big gays. Okay. I didn't even think about... 
about and that. And maybe they were like big cotton sticks that the gays shoved up their butt. No. Uh, seriously. <laughs> they, I don't think gays real. was even a term for That's homosexuals at that correct. time. All right, Gays Sarah, was just like, scold you know, me about oh, it. Oh, please. Just, like, this is my story. Brainstorming. <laughs> You're supposed to yes and me. All right. Right. The, but I'm so what no on this one. Okay, okay. Let me though. look at that. Let me. It's, it's, the article ends there. It said, but the product wouldn't pick up its now famous name until 1926. For the first three years, the cotton swabs were called baby gays, which the company would be modified, which the company, oh, which the company would be modified to become Q-tips baby gays. Eventually, they dropped the the baby gays altogether and were just left with Q-tip. Still, that's the end of the article. Wow. The source is from Q-tips.com. Okay, so now this brand comes out. Oh, okay, I should have done more of a... They still don't explain it. I'm annoyed. You know what? We'll figure it out, though. We will. And in the meantime, uh, I would like to encourage you to get some baby sheets. Not baby sheets. (laughs) I don't have a segue, damn it. Right. Yeah, get some sheets for your bed from Brooklinen. Everybody that I meet that's a brainiac that has gotten them really likes them because they're luxury sheets and you can mix and match. You don't have to do that whole like set mm-hmm. thing. You can do mm, different right, patterns right, right. so it looks super cute in your bedroom. But they were winner of the best online bedding category of good housekeeping. So this isn't like some fly-by-night mm-hmm. operation. Although <laughs> you do use your sheets at night. Mm-hmm. Um but they took out the middleman so you can get affordable luxury sheets. And I love mine. That's what we use on our beds. And they also go on Lincoln's bed as well. And we get different patterns for him. My Brooklyn and sheets are the best, most comfortable sheets I've ever slept on. And it's time for your upgrade. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just to our listeners. Get 20 bucks off and free shipping when you use promo code BRAIN at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. Whoa. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code BRAIN at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code BRAIN. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever. I also heard their pillows are great. I want to try them. Oh, nice. I don't have them. I need, I'm in the market, though. Mm-hmm. I want to introduce a guest. <gasps> oh, yay. Super, that. super excited about this. Kelsey Miller wrote a book called I'll Be There For You, The One About Friends. Oh my gosh. So great. It is a comprehensive, no lie, history of the show Friends. It's absolutely fascinating. You will learn so much about how television is made. Cool. How hard it is to go from idea to on the air. Mm -hmm. Then how hard it is to go from on the air to being a hit, and then how hard it would be to go from being a hit to being a cultural phenomenon. Which it is. And then what that does to people that are on it who have come from nowhere. Wow. And how their lives are affected and changed in good and bad ways. It is such a great book, but she is great because she's very humble, and she did Friends justice. I love the show Friends, as many basic (laughs) bitches do, Um, and just people all over the world really love and connected to the idea that there is a period of time in your life when your friends are your family. Yeah. Oh, everybody loves that. I was talking to my friends in Pittsburgh about that, how we had, when we were in our twenties and early thirties, it was like, you didn't have kids and you went out three, four or five times a week and just hung out with your 
makeshift family. Friends. And that's what the book is about. And you will love her. Kelsey Miller, read the book. I'll be there for you. And let's welcome her to this show. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you very much. I mean, I was harassing you about this book on Twitter already, but I cannot even tell you how much I loved it. Are you getting like nothing but rave reviews? Oh, man. I'm getting a lot of positive feedback. I'm definitely a little bit nervous because, you know, this is a show that means a lot to a lot of people. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) All right. Pressure is on. Yeah. Yeah, but like that's what made me so impressed because I love friends as so many people do, as you say, and you did it justice and you provided so much information and you historicized them and I just felt like this was a really tall order and you delivered. Gosh, thank you so much. (laughs) That's a really huge relief to hear. I'm really glad to hear that. Like, okay, so let's say people are reading the book and... What could possibly be a criticism? What is, would somebody say that they were like, you didn't do this right? What What is that? You know, I think, <clears throat> I think there are definitely some diehard fans out there. I know there are who don't want to hear any criticisms <laughs> about the show. All right. And so I think that that might be the only complaint, you know, and yeah. my my take on that is like I don't I don't understand the people who think that you can't love something and also critique its flaws at the same time, you know? Yeah, because it as time marches on, things can be viewed through different lenses and I thought you did such a great job of celebrating what was amazing about the show and its actors and writers, but also saying like, you know what, this doesn't translate as well today and here's why. And I mean, what more could you do, really? Yeah, no, thanks for that. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's just a fundamental fact. It's a really, it's a show from another era. And in many ways, it's, you know, among other things, it's a historical marker of, you know, our, our social and cultural and political attitudes back then. You start the book off with an experience I think a lot of us have now with streaming and, um, of course, with reruns, where you were, you found yourself drawn to rewatching episodes. What do you think that was about for you? Wow, um, <laughs> I think that is a question for a therapist in many ways. <laughs> uh-huh. No, but, come on. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think in in some ways, it's you know, it's that natural pull that so many of us have to something familiar. Um, yeah. So in many ways, I think it's nostalgia. But as I wrote in the book, um, in the introduction, it is, you know, I was, I, was, I was really drawn to it during this particular time in my life when things were changing for me, when mm-hmm. um, my friends were getting married, people were starting to have kids. I was in a serious relationship living with my boyfriend, who then became my fiance, who then became my husband. Mm-hmm. And this is a show which, as the creators themselves describe it, is about the time in your life when your friends are your family. And I was really leaving that period of my life um, right during the time when I was yeah. sort of drawn back towards friends. Uh, I would watch it every single day at the gym. And I I thought at first it was something that I was just sort of casually watching kind of half-heartedly while I was doing my cardio. But as it turned out, it was, uh, it was filling a pretty big emotional need for me. Yeah, it's soothing, right? And maybe for yeah. some people, they're not watching friends. Maybe they're watching something else. But I think everyone has something that 
they watch or consume in a way that makes them feel comforted. And that's sounded like what it was like for you. Yeah, it is. And I, I do think that it gave me a new sort of esteem for the concept of comfort food television. I don't think it's necessarily um, just sort of mindless. I think it. I think there is really something resonant about that. Do you feel like now you could still do that with the show or are you too close to the Monet? Hmm. I think right now, perhaps <laughs> too close. That said, I was like... Um, I can't remember. It was. I think it was in like a doctor's waiting room not that long ago after I finished the book and I, it was on and I was like, well, yeah, I'm actually watching this as if I hadn't just written a book about it. So I think there is something in my mind and probably in most people's minds that like when Friends is on, like especially in that rerun capacity, mm-hmm. that that part of my brain just switches on and I, <laughs> I can enjoy it. Yeah. But I don't think I'll be turning it on Netflix in, in the in the you know, recent future. Yeah. Cause it's, you're immersed in it right now, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird to me that now you, who you're, you have written this comprehensive book, but then now you're a part of the history. Is that strange? Wow. Do you really think so? Yeah, I do. Cause this book is the, the book I think. My goodness. Well, you know, until you said that I had not, I had not really considered that. So I'll let you know, um, as I, as I think on that, I think that's a pretty, uh, that's pretty heavy. I'll think about it. Okay. Yeah. Keep me posted. Um, what I wondered was, you know, you decide you're going to write a book about this show. It's a long running show. There's a lot of players, a lot of cast members, a lot of people behind the scenes, what, did it feel overwhelming, or was there a specific challenge about the book that you didn't anticipate? Oh, it was, it was so overwhelming because, you know, I had all sorts of thoughts. I mean, probably the same thoughts that many fans are having, which is, why does she get to be the one to write the Friends book? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because as I said, this show means so much to so many people. And <clears throat> I, you know, when you're writing, you're thinking, you got to think about your audience, but you also can't feel them looking over your shoulder the entire time because I didn't want to write self-consciously and I didn't want to write defensively. I just wanted to write something that was like truthful and compelling. Um, So I think I felt, yeah, I felt overwhelmed by that sense of like um, not necessarily the massive audience that was going to read my book, but the massive audience that friends had. Um, Did you uh, contact the cast and ask for interviews? I did. I reached out to to them, you know, by their representatives before anybody else, of course. Um, And I was told the answer that I expected to get, which is that, you know, they've had that one for all, all for one deal in place since the 90s, since they were on Friends. And they still abide by that um, when it comes to anything Friends related. So, uh, you know, I was told, you know, it's, it's probably not going to happen unless by some miracle they all agree that they want to do it. And What? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that. I mean, it serves them very well. I, I, you know, it sounds really shocking, too. But, like, you know, what do they need to talk to me for? They've already been talking about this for so long. And um, mm-hmm. they've all got other things going on. So I didn't expect any of them to, to want to talk to little me for this book. Um, I don't know. I'll be curious to find out you know, if any of them become aware of it now. Yeah. Yeah, Because I didn't expect them to agree to an interview for the same reason that you just said, but I didn't think the answer would be it. We're still one for all and all for one. That is fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. And you document in the book, these sort of, 
I mean, it became mythology along the way that they did this pay negotiation stuff as a group, and everyone was always so impressed by that, I guess, and at least in the public. But you really did a great job saying, you know, it wasn't as smooth sailing as maybe in retrospect it seemed. Because we take it for mm-hmm. granted that there were all these seasons of the show. But you're like, you know, it was always down to the wire whenever they were doing these negotiations. Now, oh, yeah. Was that surprising to you? It was. I mean, from a logistical standpoint, <clears throat> if, if you read anything about the television television industry, um, you know that it takes a series of miracles, essentially, just for a show to get from a pitch to a script to a pilot to an actual series. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> from that perspective, uh, I think it's I think it's quite it's quite surprising. Um, I think, yeah, but 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 we all do have that sense that Friends was this thing that was that was never going to go away and has never gone away. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it seems weird. No, it just seems weird that there was ever a moment when even like a suit could be like, well, we just won't bring you back. Like now that seems absurd. Of course, you're going to bring it back. I know. I know. And really, when you think about the fact that there were six people involved and they did have that all for one, one for all mentality and that, you know, if at any point a majority of them could have voted, okay, we don't want to come back for another season, then that would have been the end because they did. They they voted together. And then once they'd taken sort of an internal vote and figured out what they wanted to do, then they went to the negotiating table. So they could have, they really could have walked away with the show at any time. Do you think that any of them wish they had never done the show to begin with? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, having not spoken to them personally, but having researched them quite heavily, I, I think, no, I think that all of them are pretty open about the fact that like, you know, and I think, and I think the producers and the writers as well, that like, this was really an exceptional experience. And even in moments when I think perhaps they would have maybe like to have walked away. They didn't because they maybe realized that this was a once in a lifetime kind of job that you don't get the kind of job where you really are working with such, you know, good quality folks and with people that you get along well with and that you, you, you click well with yeah. and that you've formed such an incredibly functional professional relationship and friendship really. I think that is what, uh, is what kept them around for so long. Well, I love that you called the book I'll Be There For You because it does feel like they like Friends is there for us now. Like mm. and I just wonder though what at what cost it was personally to the actors because it's a high price to pay for that level of iconic fame. Yes, that's for sure. And and you know, when you asked your question before, that's the first thing that came to my mind is I I don't think any of them would probably regret doing this show. I mean, I don't know. I'm just guessing. But I do think a lot of them, perhaps, maybe some of them, perhaps did not um, acclimate very well to being famous. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that all of them really... are very good at being celebrities. You know what I mean? I mean, if you, and you can tell it's not like a big secret or anything, but you see, you know, David Schwimmer kind of vanished for a really long time from television and just went back to his, you know, Chicago theater world and like did a lot of behind the camera work and very, very much, I think did not want to be in the public eye and he didn't come back for a really long time, you know? Yeah. And same with, you know, uh, Matt LeBlanc, he went 
quite off the grid for a while. And then when he came back, it was in this very fascinating, oddball, pitch black comedy role where he was really skewering himself. And I'm talking about episodes, the show episodes. So I think that, you know, of course, you don't you don't become that famous without paying certain costs. It felt like um, Lisa Kudrow avoided some of that because she was already established with her husband and sort of a family life at the time, which I think spared her some of the nonsense. But I still freaking worry about Matthew Perry. Like, I I feel like I want to hug that guy. I'm worried about him. Yeah. I mean, I talked in the book a lot about star images and how, as I interviewed Anne Helen Peterson about that in pretty in depth, um, all the cast, different star images that got forged over mm. the decade they were on television. And it's interesting because, you know, I have that same feeling too. Whenever I see his name in the press, I think, oh God, oh God, oh God. Yeah. And that's, I think, you know, who knows what's actually going on in his personal life, <laughs> but like to us, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the point is we, we don't know, um, but, but we do have a very strong, you know, there's a, there's a huge narrative around him. There's a public perception around him that, no matter what is actually going on with him, it will never trump that. And, you know, same with Jennifer Aniston. It's very tied up in that, uh, in like the idea of Rachel Green, of this girl next door attitude, even though she's, she hasn't been in that role for so long. Right. It's like, she can't escape it. Did you, Mm -hmm. during your time researching and writing the book, uh, talk to a lot of people that maybe hate the show and think it's stupid? (laughs) <laughs> I definitely, yeah, I definitely did. What did they and again, say? Yeah. Well, there's, I think it's really funny because whenever I hear from somebody that they never watched it or didn't really like it, I always assume it's because they, they think it's cheesy or because they think it's, I, I, I actually always assume it's because they think it's like offensive, you know, all those, those mm-hmm. hot take topics that we love to talk about when it comes to friends. And a lot of people just say like, no, I just I just didn't really, it wasn't really my thing. I was much more of a, you know, I was a Seinfeld person or I liked Will and Grace or I don't know, which is like, I, or I missed the boat or something like that. Um, I think people also have like that strong anger towards it sometimes just simply because it is so ubiquitous. It is so omnipresent everywhere forever in the background of our lives, you know? Yeah. I always did feel like there was a dichotomy, like there was the friends people and the Seinfeld people, but I always thought there was more of a gendered relationship there that dudes tended towards Seinfeld and the ladies liked friends more, but I'm sure it's not that simple. Um, Yeah. No, I think you're, I mean, I think there is something to that though, for sure. You talk a lot in the book so well about the problems uh, with regard to like race and LGBT and even just the maleness of the writer's room. And it Mm kind of like bumps me out that maybe they're not more like that. They don't acknowledge it as much as they could now being like, yeah, we should have had more chicks doing it or more people of color. Do you think that's intentional or they're just like, it's water under the bridge? Mm, well, you know, I think for a lot of them it is. You, you mean talking about like the producers and the creators and those yeah. folks? <clears throat> I think for a lot of them it is probably just in the past. Yeah. And, you know, that the, the, the television industry back then, it's true, was just a, a very, very, yeah. I mean, the stories I've heard, very alienating 
place for women and people of color and, you know, really any marginalized populations. Um, so I think for some of them, it was just, it just didn't seem like a fight that they were in a position to fight. That said, it was the most popular and an incredibly influential, powerful show. So at a certain point, you know, if anybody could have fought it, I think it would have been them. And, uh, I think the other reason perhaps, you know, maybe they don't talk about it or maybe they just aren't asked about it, um, is because, you know, as I wrote about in the book, there was a pretty infamous, uh, lawsuit around, around, uh, racial and sexual harassment. And that had a really, really big impact. Um, not just in the television industry, but in workplaces all over the country. So, and, and that was, you know, uh, that was a situation I don't think anybody wants to revisit, but I'm very glad I had the opportunity to, to revisit it and bring it up in the, in the book, because I think it's an incredibly important story that I'm, I was, I'm shocked that it isn't better known. Yes. I felt that way when I was reading it and I thought, I'm so grateful that you're telling this story and that hopefully people can learn from it and do better, man. Yeah, man. I really hope so too. Um, okay. Now <coughs> when you are moving forward in your life, how do you feel like your consumption of media did or did not change after writing this book? Hmm. I think I probably have a deeper understanding of that thing I was talking about earlier, which is just how rare it is for a show to actually get on the air. And, and so when I'm watching a show now, I am very aware that there's like, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of other shows that I'm not seeing. Um, So I, I, (laughs) I have a new sort of respect, I think for the the process or a deeper respect, I think for the process there. Um, That is such a good point because it does feel like miraculous, especially when you have something that's as big of a global hit as friends, it does feel like a miracle. But then mm-hmm. on the other hand, I'll see shows on the air and I'm like, how the heck did that, did that make it through the oh, process? No. You know, I know, I know. I think I, I often think about meetings when <laughs> I think about all the meetings right. somebody would have to go to and all the meetings where everybody would have had to say, yes, yes, yes. And, and, and here's this money. <laughs> So, and it, it, it is really shocking and it, you know, it shows you sort of the, we're all in our own bubbles, right? So somewhere out there, there's people who are creating in their own little bubble and thinking that theirs is the best idea ever. And only when it comes out in the world, you realize, oh man, really shouldn't have put all our eggs in that basket. <laughs> well, even I bet just writing a book period, you see how many people have to say yes to you, your idea, the words you put on the page all the things yep. that go into just creating a book and then to have a series of television episodes that last over a decade is even more insane. It's completely insane. Yeah. We ask everybody one question at the end of the interview. And that is, uh, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? If you have a car, are you in New York? I'm in New York. and I do not have a car. Yeah. <laughs> what do you keep in your backpack or a briefcase or whatever or purse? Oh, Okay. I keep um, like about five to 700 pens at any given time for no reason. <laughs> um, I keep, always keep lip balm and hand cream. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. And I always keep like an apple 
like what? somewhere fl- knocking around the bottom of my purse. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know if you have like a particular kind of pen that you love. Oh my goodness. I'm like looking at my pens right now. Like well, I wasn't prepared for this question. <laughs> Do you have like, you have an affection for writing utensils? I like those little tiny felt tip pens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what they're called. Yeah. I think I, I think I like those. I mean, mostly the most important thing to me is like a pen that works consistently. Girl, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm an enthusiast for pens and my co-host always steals mine and I'm starting to catch on and I'm going to put the bad ones in a thing by her spot. You and... should. You got to protect them. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I'm not falling for this anymore. Um, okay. Now I want to know what, if you just are totally immersed in this and you got to like promote your book and that's all you can think of, or if you're like plotting your next move. You know, I am, I am plotting actually a little bit. Um, nothing I can super talk about yet, but I will say that I think the next thing I want to do is also somewhat historically based and something that is, um, timely, I think mm. reflects the sort of era we're going through. I actually, I had, I actually have no idea if I am even allowed to talk about it because nothing is confirmed. But okay. like, stay tuned, as they say. <laughs> well, whatever you write, I'm going to read because you're so gifted and you have such a way of making really complicated and like uh, detailed stories palatable and uh, easy to read. And it was just really fun seeing your work, and I can't wait to see what's next. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to hear that. Thank you very much. And I'm sure everybody is going to just love your book so much. So I can't wait to hear what our listeners think. So thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. You're off the hook. And I'll just let you know whenever I post it. And I really do think you're a dynamo. Oh, wow. Really? Thank you so much. This was a really fun interview. Good. I'm really excited to hear the episode. And I'm excited. I hope you have like a million billion sales and I'll be watching it to see. Oh, fingers crossed. Fingers (laughs) crossed. I mean, your support's been really helpful. So thank you. Thanks, Kelsey. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Babes and Babies, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.